Welcome everyone back to the Brocast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and we have a special show previewing UCLA's game against Cincinnati on Thursday. We are talking with Chad Brendel, the owner of BearcatJournal.com, the Cincinnati uh, 24-7 Sports site. Chad, how's it going? Going pretty good. It is. Uh, we have crossed paths in terms of UC and UCLA. Uh, obviously a lot this off season. It has been, I've been doing this particular, I've been covering UC for, you know, we were, we were at rivals for a little while and moved over to 24 seven with Shannon. Um, 13 years I've been doing this. I've never seen an off season like this one. It has been absolutely nonstop. It, it felt like, like getting to Thursday feels like, oh my God, if we can just get back in season. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, just then this week alone, back to normal. Yeah. This, this week alone. Yeah. I mean, just news after news after news. And, uh, I mean, I think probably at this point, UCLA and, and Cincinnati should just merge. Right. Like I think given well, yeah, the like connections University between the of Cincinnati point, and Los Angeles. Yeah. I think that would work. Right. I think it would too. I love LA. So <laughs> I'm, I'm down. Everyone can share Mick Cronin. That's fine. Whatever. No big deal. He can coach two games. Um, uh, I, I miss Mick Cronin. Yeah. He seems like a sweetheart. That's my guy. Um, all right. Well, we've obviously we got to talk some football coming up here on Thursday, but I do want to touch base on on Mick uh, towards the end of the show. But um, I, I think you know it's been funny. I, I think I, I may not have been used to it from last year, but I think also the the Pac twelve rivalries are a little bit more staid and, and laid back, so you don't get the kind of back and forth between the message boards. But it seems there's, like there's been a little bit of that between the UCLA and UC fans. So that's been kind of fun to watch this week. Yeah, I mean, the one thing about my message board and the UC fan base, they like to mix it up a little bit. There was a lot of mixing it up this offseason. One with UCLA and then uh, Michigan with all the Jim Harbaugh stuff and the James Hudson waiver. Uh, My my Twitter timeline was filled. It's still at times I'll still have a Michigan fan show up and and try to chirp me on that stuff. So uh, (laughs) they're always up for a good – and obviously, you know, the Xavier thing – that's never ending. Um, yeah. <laughs> the two sides like to talk about each other a lot. So, yeah, the, we've got a message board that doesn't mind mixing it up some. And I, I think it's for the most part, it's been pretty friendly. Um, and the two sides, it, it's it's interesting because these these two programs are such kind of parallels to each other with the, the new coaching staffs mm-hmm. and the teams being so young and so much. Uh, so much turnover and and so much of the roster being freshmen, redshirt freshmen and sophomores, very few seniors and upperclassmen. Um, it, it's been an interesting dynamic to kind of follow both teams having, uh, you know, a, a veteran starter uh, go out for different reasons last year. Obviously, Spate got hurt and Hayden Moore got replaced, but a freshman and a Redford shirt freshman taking their first snaps. It would have been even more fun if if Joshua Kelly had played more in that game because then the parallel of him and Mike Warren would have been there uh, a little bit more as well. But uh, just a very interesting dynamic as these two teams get ready to meet on Thursday night. Well, and, and the hope obviously for UCLA fans is that this is the equivalent of Luke Fickle's second year, you know, right. going from four and eight to 11 and two overnight, going from three and nine to something like nine and three would be, I think, welcome in any UCLA fan's mind. And, you know, it's interesting you said that about kind of it's still, both teams are still pretty young teams, um, but with some experience. And that made it kind of difficult. Like, this is probably one of the more difficult ones I've had to think about, okay, what would I actually predict for this game? 
Because I do think there's still so many unknowns. Like, looking at Cincinnati, well, is it a plug-and-play defense? Because if it is, then those rotational defensive linemen can come in, and maybe they're not going to be Copeland and Broughton, Broughton, but they might be good enough. But you just don't know yet. Like, it's going to be proof in the pudding. Here's kind of the wild thing. I think when last season ended, everybody expected that Copeland and Broughton played probably 75, 80% of the snaps. Um, but everybody expected Curtis Brooks and Marcus Brown. They had been the backups to those two guys for two years. Right. So everybody thought those two would just move up the depth chart. But that's not what happened. Elijah Ponder and Jabari Taylor are the two first team defensive tackles now. And. <clears throat> Brooks and Brown are the second team. So it's really going to be interesting. I think you're going to see a lot more of a rotation there. Um, I think you're going to see one or two defensive tackles running off the field every three, four, five plays, and you're going to see those four guys uh, really try to to wear down the interior of offensive lines as the season goes on. Um, it's going to be a different, a different plan, though, because the, the – the beauty of Copeland and Broughton and UCLA learned this last year yeah. is they made life just miserable on first and second downs. UC was a top, I think top six in the country in three and outs last year. And, and it was in large part because you got nothing at the point of attack when Copeland and Broughton were in there. Replacing that is not going to happen. Like both of those guys played four or five years. They were both, you know, progressively got better as their careers went on. And it was just something that between the two of them, they had a great chemistry and rhythm. Um, Elijah Ponder had an excellent camp. He looks like he can be the next in line in terms of a, a defensive tackle that can really give Cincinnati uh, a, a presence in the middle of the defense. Uh, but, you look at it and there's just no logical way you can say Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati's the rea- the reality is Cincinnati's not Alabama, right? There's not a row of four and five star guys sitting behind them. There's developmental guys that you hope when it becomes their time, they're ready to go. Uh, so we'll see. Cause that really is what made the Cincinnati defense a nightmare and a top 10 defense last year is those two guys at the point of attack. Not only could they not be moved, but generally they were in your backfield first and second down over and over and over again. Yeah. And, you know, looking at it, so it seems like the strength of that defense might be shifting back a little bit um, with a lot of returning experience in the back seven. Um, So when you're looking at that, do you think that changes the complexion of how they're going to call a defense this year? Do you think it changes anything they're going to try to do schematically? The fact that the strength is maybe moving towards the back seven a little bit more. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I think really the strength of what they have tried to build is to be able to keep their base personnel on the field as often as possible. Um, That was one reason I I do think they were very effective and very good last year outside of Copeland and Broughton. Uh, James Wiggins at safety could come up and, and cover the slot. He was the best slot corner basically in the AAC uh, coming up from a safety position. And then they have that hybrid linebacker safety. They call it the Jack. Everybody's got a different name for it. Or they call it the Sniper, sorry. Everybody's got a different name for it. Um, so you could move that. It was Malik Clemens last year. This year, um, poor UConn. UConn had one good defensive player last year. Did they, uh, did the, they really? Did they, they really they did. have a they single had one. good player on they, defense? They, 
They had one. His, his name was Darian Beavers, and it just so happened he's from Cincinnati, and he transferred back home. <laughs> well, he couldn't be the only one, you know. I'm they, pretty they, sure he was the only one. Yeah, they've got to – no, I mean, what I'm saying is they've got to be oh, all bad. Yeah. You can't have a good one on that team. I mean, they, that was legitimately hard to believe – the worst defense in the history of college football last year. It was so bad. I well, felt was, almost sorry for them watching them play last year. Bill Connolly, who does all the advanced stats stuff, said the best quarterback last year in college football was whoever was going against Cincinnati or going against UConn. Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It didn't matter how bad you were. If you were playing UConn, you were fantastic. <laughs> exactly, which is um, not a good look. But Beavers has moved into that sniper role with the first team. Uh, he did get a waiver, so he was immediately eligible. He's 6'3", 230 pounds, and has the athleticism of a safety. And at UConn, he played defensive end at 250 pounds. So he gives them kind of a different dimension in that role. He has the length and the athleticism. He looks like an NFL linebacker when you see him. Um, so that that has been their bread and butter, at least last year it was, staying in their base defense, but being able to play nickel out of your base defense sure, because of the way you can move guys around. And it's been this, this hybrid thing that Luke Fickle has wanted uh, to build and Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator that they've wanted to build since they got here. That's why it was so effective this year. We'll see how effective it or last year. We'll see how effective it is this year without Copeland and Broughton. Um, but the, the emphasis definitely, I, it, if I, I picked a, my camp MVP was uh, Kobe Bryant. So Laker fans, I'm sure many yeah. in the Atlanta area are very familiar. Uh, we we call we call his area Mamba Island is what I have dubbed it. That's pretty um, cool. Good good work. Good work. Yeah, thank you. He he, he joked one day at the end of camp. Um, he he knocked down a pass and the receiver was yelling for you know he he held or he it was interference and Kobe looked at him and said, "You haven't completed a pass on me in three weeks. I'd shut up." <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. In man coverage, I don't think there was a pass between 7-on-7 seven seven and 11-on-11. 11 11, I don't think there was a pass completed on him in man coverage for three weeks. Oh, my gosh. So he had a hell of a camp. Remember um, remember Christian Bryant played yeah, at Ohio State? For sure. That's his older brother. Oh, okay. So he's got good bloodlines. So, yeah, so that was the, the tie. Luke Fickle recruited Christian to Ohio State. Kobe was one of the guys that when Luke Fickle got the job, that was one of Luke's first recruits. Um, it was him and Mike Warren and Jarrell White, who's a linebacker, and Derek Forrest, who's a starting safety. Luke really hit the ground running with a couple guys he knew he had recruited from Ohio State, maybe not Ohio State level, but just a notch below. And, and those guys have been a great nucleus. Kobe's been phenomenal. Uh, Forrest is, is really good. And then their linebacking core – Brian Wright and Perry Young, both who UCLA saw last year in the middle of the defense. Oh, yeah. And then, like I said, Beavers and Jarrell White are kind of splitting that jack spot or sniper spot. Um, so the back seven is very, very good. Yeah. Um, so you reported on Twitter uh, about four hours ago. So first, follow Chad on Twitter, all the breaking news on on, uh, on Cincinnati. Uh, it's at Chad Brendel. Um, but you reported junior safety James Wiggins suffered a knee injury yesterday in practice. Are you anticipating this will keep him out for this game? Um, what, it, do you have any idea at this point? There were the, he. It was yesterday in practice that he suffered the injury. When we were on campus today, he was um, going to see the doctor this afternoon. So as we're recording this, they're probably finding out more right about now or sometime soon. I can't imagine from the the sound of. 
things today that he's out there for UCLA, which right. is a is a very big blow to the defense. Because as I mentioned, Wiggins is the one. Like I had somebody all all camp, and and Karma I think might have gotten me on this as this is playing out. That continued to ask me about their nickel and dime defense. And I was like, they don't play it. Like they, very rarely do they play it because Wiggins is so good in the slot that you don't have to bring an extra corner on the field. And if they don't have him, does that make them on the fly? Now they have to go to some more nickel looks. If if things get spread out, that you know changes numbers in the box and, and changes how they operate. If they don't have James Wiggins, it is it is a big hit because he is their playmaker. I mean, have you ever heard of a guy that had three game-ending interceptions no. in a year? No, 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 three. One against Ohio University, they were on the the four yard line going into score to take the lead with under a minute left in the bowl game against Virginia Tech. Uh, he also got one uh, to end the, the basically end the game where all they had to do was take a knee. And then against SMU, he had the the very very rare in overtime walk off pick six from like eighty yards. So a playmaker like that losing him would be a very big blow because. <clears throat> Let's be honest. You don't get guys like that at Cincinnati very often. He was committed to Miami of Florida. A big, they call him the freak. Uh, he squats. He's right around six foot, right in that two hundred and ten pound range. He squats over seven hundred pounds. He runs a sub four three forty, <laughs> and he has a forty two inch plus vertical leap. Like he literally is the guy that like. People like, you know, the, they're lying about when they talk. You know, oh, right. I remember that guy. He squats 700. No, James Wiggins actually does those things. He, he probably could squat 800 pounds. They won't let him squat over 650 to 700 anymore because they just, like, it's gratuitous. We don't, we don't. <laughs> You're embarrassing everyone else, James. Stop yeah. doing it. James, the offensive linemen and defensive linemen are, are in the corner crying because you're putting up 100 pounds more than them. <laughs> um, and there was... It, you know, there's there's been an expectation around the program that uh, he's a guy that could very likely be an early entrant into the NFL draft after his junior season this year. So if it's bad, it, first I it just he's the nicest kid. He literally does not stop smiling. Um, the coaches, the first year that Luke Fickle and his staff were here, they couldn't figure him out. Like they they thought that he didn't take football seriously. They didn't realize he takes football very seriously. He just does it with a smile on his face, which drives football coaches crazy, right? Yeah. They don't want to see that. What are you smiling about? <laughs> Coach, I don't stop smiling. Like <laughs> That so sounds like Joshua a- Kelly. Joshua Kelly's the same kind of way. Uh UCLA yeah. tailback. He just he will not stop smiling. You can yell at him, he'll start he'll just keep smiling at you. That's exact that's Wiggins to a T. Um so hopefully it's it's something minor, but at this point I'm afraid it's not. Hopefully, we'll you know the the news comes back as good news. And uh, with him, hell, he might be as freakish as he is. He might be able to go Thursday. Uh, but tweaking your knee on Monday is generally not a good sign for Thursday. Yeah, no, you're, uh, you're not. You're not rubbing it. You're not rubbing some dirt on one of those ligaments and getting back out there. No, unfortunately, not. Yeah. Oh, that's that's unfortunate. Um, and, uh, you know, looking at it, so the depth situation, uh, because uh, Arquan Bush, uh, the redshirt freshman corner, he's also likely out for this game, correct? Yeah, he probably will be back week four, week five, somewhere in there. He had a uh, 
had a lingering toe issue that they they finally decided we got to go ahead and and get it surgically repaired. Um, so they still got decent depth at corner. Um, th- there are two young guys that are probably going to be forced into action in terms of like depth, um, like what fourth and fifth guy, fifth sure. and sixth guy, something like that. Um, and and Justin Harris, who was the highest rated recruit in last year's class on twenty four seven. And then a kid from Detroit named Ahmad Gardner. They both saw a ton of reps in camp, so they should be ready to go. Uh, at safety, it's going to be interesting from from what I'm hearing. If they do have to replace Wiggins, uh, it very likely could be uh, Javon Hicks, sure. who was was also a, a part of Cincinnati's big 2018 class. He was a backup at safety last year. Uh, he and Kyrie McDonald, who was a transfer from Alabama, who got a waiver for immediate eligibility, uh, those are the two backup safeties. One of those two will move up if they don't have Wiggins. My guess right now uh, is Hicks, who had a, a really strong camp, and especially the last five or six uh, practices of camp, he was really coming on and and looking good. I don't know that they were ready to quite test him uh, in in a starting role if they have to, but he's at least a guy that uh, he was a basketball player, very good athlete, long rangey, right in that six two six three range. Um, so he, he does give them some athleticism, but he, he, he does not squat 700 pounds. Right. He does not <laughs> run a sub four, four forty, and he does not have a 42 inch vertical leap. So there is a gap. <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> sounds, Wiggins is out. Sounds like there's a gap between uh, Wiggins and many mere mortals. Um, yeah. I had one more defensive question before we move on to the offense. Um, just kind of a curiosity for me when I was looking at everything for our preview, uh, Kevin Muhan, who was a starter, he's now a senior, 2017 defensive end. He, he looked statistically like he put up a ton of numbers uh, that year. Uh, and, and then I was looking at the two deep, and he's third string at defensive end this year. Is that just taking time to recover from an injury, or is he just well, looking worse? He tore, his, he tore his ACL last year, so Got he it. missed all of last year with the torn ACL. He has been coming back from that. Unfortunately for him, two, two more members of that 2018 class, which – the 2018 class was the best class that Cincinnati's had in school history. Um, two of those guys that were right in the, at the top of that, one's name's MyJ Sanders, who was out of Florida, uh, and the other's name's Malik Van, who was out of Cincinnati, who was recruited by Michigan State and, and Nebraska and Wisconsin, a lot of the, you know, most of the, the power Big Ten schools. Um, those two guys have kind of just moved ahead at that strong side defensive end spot. Sanders is Sanders showed up at six foot five, like two hundred and five pounds when he got to campus last year. Mm-hmm. And within three months, he was two hundred and sixty five pounds. <laughs> oh, the old freshman sixty. Yeah, and it was all muscle. Like he's he's one of those dudes you look at. Like we've been doing this a long time. Sometimes guys just look different, right? He's one of those guys when he walks by you, you go, ooh, <laughs> sure. He he's he's not he's he's not like the others that are that are roaming around. So he has kind of commandeered that starting strong side defensive end spot, and then with Van behind him, uh, what they do have there is the luxury now of you have incredible depth there, with Muhan being basically the third team guy and a and a guy that started a ton of games uh, throughout his Cincinnati career. So that depth has been the one big thing that that Cincinnati's never had. Even when you look back at those teams that that were, went to the Sugar Bowl uh, and went to the Orange Bowl, they were very top heavy. They did not have much behind. 
Um, this this team, the way Luke Fickle has built this roster, is starting to stack depth, and that strong side defensive end position is just one of them where it's on full display. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, let's shift gears a little bit to the offense. I know lots of other people like to start with quarterback and running back and all that stuff. Not me. I want to start with the offensive line. Uh, all right. Because, look, we're talking about the serious, the serious parts of the yeah. offense. That's line play. Um, so this is probably the area on offense, actually, where Cincinnati has the least continuity. Um, losing three starters from last year, I think, in Dino Boyd, Garrett Campbell, and Kyle Trout. Mm-hmm. Um, and returning basically one starter who's playing the same position as last year, Morgan James. And then, Well, not anymore. That changed today. What is he doing now? No, Morgan James is still at, at right guard. Um, Chris Ferguson, who everybody thought was going to move to the left right. tackle, has returned to right tackle. Ooh. So the right side of the line will be the same. Uh, and then at center, you have Jakari Robinson, who started six games last year and played very well in place of Garrett Campbell, uh, who broke his ankle in the early part of the season and was able to return by the end of the season. But he missed six games. Jakari Robinson started for him. The left side now is where it gets interesting. Uh-oh. Uh. The left guard is a redshirt freshman. Um, obviously, has never really played any significant snaps, but he is a kid that is an absolute monster of a human being. Uh, six foot four, three hundred and twenty-five, three hundred and thirty pounds. Jeremy Cooper, and he's a kid I think is going to be an all-conference guard for many, many years in the American Conference. Um, he he's transitioned in seamlessly at the start of spring football. He's the ultimate compliment for a lineman. You very rarely notice he's there. That's great. Especially for a guard. Like those guys, as long as you're not looking at him and going, what is he doing? You feel pretty good about him. So he's been rock solid. Left tackle now is where it gets interesting. So the, the Luke Fickle announced today at his press conference, the starting tackle is going to be Lorenz Metz. How much do you know about Lorenz Metz, David? I know he's big. He is monstrous. Yeah. He is six foot nine, 300 and almost 40 pounds. We're, we're not quite far away from Jonathan Ogden uh, size right there. He, I mean, he looks like he's German. He's a little bit older. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman, but I think he's 22. Um, so he came over last year was his freshman year. He came over from Germany. Um, I don't know how much, UCLA has kind of dipped into this market yet, but there's a couple places over in Europe that are now kind of training and and producing European football talent uh, at the high school level and then bringing them over. And it's similar to kind of what, what the Pro Kick Australia has done. Right. Where they've littered the NCAA with, with punters. So Mets came over, camped at UC, I mean, when you see him, it's breathtaking. He is so big. They've all, they've got a backup. His backup um, played college basketball at Miami of Ohio, and he's six foot eight and three hundred and twenty five pounds. And Mets makes him look tiny. <laughs> so what has gone on is they they when Mets got here. They originally started him a defensive line, which would have just been hilarious. I would love to have seen a six foot nine, three hundred and forty pound defensive end. 
He's actually like shockingly athletic. He moves really well. Um, but they trained, they started training him at left tackle. So he went through all of last year training at left tackle. And then most of the spring was also at left tackle because the thought was James Hudson was going to be the starter at left tackle. If he got the waiver from Michigan and Mets was going to be right behind him. Well, Hudson doesn't get the waiver. So then they moved Ferguson to right tackle and had a competition, a three-man competition between Mets Harper and Vince McConnell at the right tackle side. Mets won the competition but went to the staff and said, guys, like I've only been playing football for a year. And everything you train me is moving to my left and playing left tackle. I feel more comfortable there. Can we try that? So once he won the job... They started experimenting and getting a look with him at left tackle and how the line would look. And they liked what they saw. And Fickle announced today that Mets will start at left tackle with Ferguson back at right tackle. So it's going to be very interesting. As as UCLA knows, they're going to have a, a true freshman protecting their quarterback's blind side. Cincinnati is going to have a redshirt freshman that literally started playing football in the spring of 2018. <laughs> I don't think either one would uh, consider that an ideal situation. Probably um, not great. Probably not great. But, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. That's the beauty of college football. Weird things happen. Weird guys get thrust into positions. Met, Mets is, here's a great Mets story. So when, when they lost in overtime to Temple last year, Temple, for whatever reason, decided that they were going to celebrate like right in front of the Cincinnati sideline. Uh-huh. And so after the, after the game... Uh, the next day, Mets goes up to the strength and conditioning coach, and he's like, Coach, I did not like that. <laughs> they they celebrate in face. I did not like that. And he's like, well, you got to you know, you know, learn how to channel that energy, and when it's your, your time, you take it out on them. And he pulled the Ivan Drago, and he said, next year, Coach, I will break them. <laughs> <laughs> he's got kind of a Drago thing going on. Like oh, he does. Yeah, no, he's got the full thing. Oh, uh, it's, Google, it's unbelievable. Everybody out there, Google a picture of that guy, Lorenz Metz. I mean, he's, monster. he is a monster human being. Um, okay. So that's, uh, so the offensive line situation. So it sounds like, honestly, I was expecting it to be worse because in my world, I would always prefer to have continuity on one side of the yeah. line. So getting Ferguson back to right tackle, that seems like a better situation, even if it's kind of an unknown or left tackle. Um, I agree. So, you know, you, you've got to figure you can run behind that right side of the line at the very least. Um, well, go ahead. It, I was going to say, and those two have continuity with Robinson. Right, because he started six games last year. Yeah, so at least on that right side now, they ran behind that right side a lot last year with Mike Warren. So I would expect that tandem to be very happy that they are back together. Uh, do you know the Morgan James story? That's another great one. I do not know the Morgan James story. Hit me with it. Guess how old Morgan James is. Uh, 22? No, no. <laughs> how old's, no, no, how no. old's our man Morgan? 29. Ooh, boy. He was a six foot five, two hundred and eighty pound professional hockey third strength, third line goon <laughs> from Michigan. And no lie, that somebody got him in front of the Cincinnati coaches. And this is when he was 24, 25 years old, got him in front of the Cincinnati coaches, and they gave him a spot. And he won the finally after four years, he won the job last year. This year he's a fifth year senior. Uh, he's 29. Uh, he has a 401k. He's got a kid with another kid on the way. 
<laughs> no lie, 29 years old. He's like the third oldest player in college football this so, year. So interestingly, UCLA has, I think, the second oldest. Uh, their 31-year-old punter, Wade Lees. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a guy... Utah, I think, or it's one yeah, of those. somewhere schools. like that, yeah. that, that that is the oldest at like 32, 33 years old. So many parallels between UCLA and Cincinnati. So many. We both have oldsters. Um, that's cool. That's pretty funny. Um, all right, so looking at the skill spots, um, obviously ton of returning guys. Uh, let's yeah. start at quarterback because um, Desmond Ritter, I think, last year it was obviously his first game, so – you know, you're not expecting much in that game, and, and that was probably the best that UCLA's defense has looked all of last year, so kind of a confluence of events. But he ended up putting up some numbers last year. Uh, 20 yeah. touchdowns, 5 picks, 62% completions. And, you know, what really stands out is in this era is the, the dual threat ability, 129 rushes for 727 yards. What strides have you seen from him this offseason? One, he's grown, like, two inches. He's grown almost four inches since he got to campus. Um, he was under right around six, one when he got here, he's almost six, five. Now, um, his arm strength has increased as, as not only getting stronger, but, but, you know, getting taller and, and bigger. Uh, he's developed a much better command of the offense from last year. Uh, the, the one thing about him when he's one of those guys that when he got to campus as a, as a true freshman, he was very under-recruited. The only scholarship offer he had was Eastern Kentucky. And Zach Taylor, who was with the Rams and is now the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, he was the quarterback coach at UC at the time. He went out, he looked at eight different quarterbacks. Desmond Ritter was the eighth-rated guy out of that group. <laughs> he comes back off the road and says, this is my guy. And i like, Zach, are you okay? What are you talking about? <laughs> this is your guy. This guy plays in a, a run-heavy, like, not even a triple option offense, but like just a power offense. He, he hardly ever throws the ball. You've got a chance to get like three or four of these kids that are higher rated. And you came back off the road and, and your guy was the eighth rated guy that, that his only offer is FCS. And yeah, that's my guy. He's, he's the guy of the future. He shows up on campus and he's just got a magnetic personality. Everybody started flocking to him. And you kept hearing these rumblings like, man, that kid won the locker room immediately after he got to campus. So it wasn't that great of a surprise that that he took that job from a fifth-year senior that holds the UC record for most passing yards in a game in Hayden Moore. Uh, Desmond Ritter, after two series at UCLA, that was his job from there on out. Um, he just he, he's he's a very confident kid. He's got great command. He really understands what Mike Denbrock wants him to do in terms of moving the ball down the field and. Uh, using his weapons, which we'll get to uh, here shortly. And it doesn't hurt, you know, when you get to hand off to to a guy that had one of the best seasons last year in the country and Mike Warren. Um, as a runner, he's 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 very strange, David. He he's not he doesn't look fast, <laughs> but he has a huge stride. So he just makes up a ton of ground and, and it doesn't feel like he's running that fast. Next thing you know, he's 15, 17 yards down the field. So um, he has really grown in terms of, of grasping the, the situation. Because when he played last year, the first probably six, seven games of the season, he was operating on half the field. And I'm sure, sure. I'm sure your guy last year had a very similar restriction. Um, make things easy, make things oh, yeah. as easy as possible. And then as the years started to wear on, they started to get some more comfort with him. Now through the spring and summer, um, he's very much progressed in terms of how to run an offense. So – 
Um, really impressed with where where Dez's ability has reached now, and you're starting to see him unlock you know the the other elements of his game that he didn't get to show last year. For sure, um, yeah, and and the 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 ability to contribute in both facets of it um, is. That's that's impressive for a true for a redshirt freshman who yeah. he was a redshirt freshman last year, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, for a redshirt freshman to do that, um, even at the level he did it, so to see strides out of him, it's obviously very welcome. Um, so looking at the the running backs, um, obviously there's the headliner, uh, Michael Warren, um, the junior, and then what's interesting to me is also getting Jared Dokes back, um, yeah. who was out all of last year um, from 2017. He was you know one of the leading rushers on the team that year. Might have been the leading rusher. I don't. He remember. was the leading rusher in 2017. Yeah. Right. So that tandem up at the top. How how is everyone feeling about that? And what are you expecting out of Warren this year? Um, do you think he can get you know generate more than the 1,337 yards he got last year? Well, that'll be interesting because I don't know that he's because they've got Dokes now. I don't know that he's going to get those number of carries that he got last year. Like, what, 34 times yeah. last year, or 34 carries last year in the UCLA game. I don't think they want that many miles on those tires. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know that you'll see him up around 1,300, but I, I definitely think you'll see the yards per carry still uh, way up there. The thing is, he trimmed down just a little bit, kind of rearranged uh, his body. So he joked uh, in the media a couple weeks ago that his nickname is The Truck, um, but he dropped a little weight, and now he wants to show a little bit of the Lamborghini this year. <laughs> <laughs> he looked phenomenal in camp. He was my offensive MB in cam- MVP in camp. You could see how much more spring, how much more burst he had in his legs because he wasn't having to take all those carries. Um, so I think you get a different Mike Warren, and then – Dokes is kind of Mike Warren with speed. Um, Warren's only like a 4'7", 4'8", 40 guy. Dokes is a sub 4'5", 40 guy that I thought was the best offensive prospect on the team coming into last year. And then he got a sports hernia um, and, and they just never could get him back to where they were comfortable putting him back out on the field. But he's looked really, really good this spring as well. Um so I I think it's going to be a situation where you're going to see a lot of two-headed monster. They both catch the ball well out of the backfield. They're both versatile. I think you're going to see a lot of those two coming out of the backfield for Cincinnati. Uh, Doke's probably getting a little bit of an edge, like a you know, 55-45 or 60-40 kind of split between the two of them. Um, but they should be a very potent one-two attack for sure. A couple of significant tr- contributors in the depth last year were Tavion Thomas and Charles McClelland, um, both uh, unavailable for this game. Can you shed any light on what the situation is with each of those guys? Uh, Thomas is in the doghouse a little bit. He um, got he, he got took a pitch out wide at, at camp and fumbled the pitch. He got taken out. He was upset. Had some words with the coaches. That usually you're never going to win. Like no. I, I, I try to explain that to my daughter all the time. Like, you're not going to win. You can argue with me all you want, but I win. <laughs> That's how this works. So he's been in the doghouse. He's back at practice. Uh, he got suspended basically for the rest of camp. Once they got back to campus, um, he's back with the team. Getting a, le- getting a little lesson taught to him to, to keep him in line. So being out for the UCLA game. And then McClellan, David, it's one of the, the last drill in camp 
the last period, the last drill, non-contact with the running backs, no defense, was making a cut, and his ACL popped. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Oh, poor kid. Yeah, and he was one of the most explosive players in this running back core, at least from the stats, it looks like. 7.7 7 oh, yeah. yards per carry last year. Well, and if you watch the, the military bowl, he had a 60-plus yard, uh, turned a little flare pass into a 65-yard touchdown across the, the grain of the Virginia Tech defense. Yeah. <laughs> so he has big playability, and, and not having him is gonna is definitely going to be a blow. What it will do in that front, um, they have a kid named Ryan Montgomery, who was part of the 2018 class initially. He tore his ACL his senior year of high school, so he gray-shirted. Um, he has been with the program since January, was there for the bowl practices, was there for spring practice, uh, and then has been with the team. He's going to be probably their starting punt returner already. So now he will just see his opportunities increase in the backfield with McClellan out. All right. And then, um, so looking at the receiving core, the big loss, functionally the only loss, is Khalil Lewis um, from last year. Uh, But it was, I mean, he was the leading receiver last year, but it really, it did seem like it was much more of a committee approach with the receiving core. There wasn't really a, you know, a a huge number one guy. It seemed like he got distributed pretty evenly. Um, What are you expecting from this receiving core with all of that returning production outside of Lewis? Um, Are you expecting them to be, better than last year the same as last year what's and who are you expecting to kind of pop out this year well the the, the, the obviously the the big name is Rashad Medeiros who is the leading returning guy he plays in the slot um, he's the fastest guy on the team uh, second fastest guy on the team uh, runs a, a sub 4-4 right in that 4-3-8 4-3-9 range uh, I know that's nothing for the one guy UCLA has on their roster <laughs> it was ridiculous. Like his name is escaping me, but uh, I know they've got it. Casimir Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's the one with like the insane hundred meters. That's uh, just yeah. I don't well, remember, it, I don't remember what the time was. UC's got a freshman that ran a ten four one hundred meters, and he I think he would be like three or four tenths of a second behind Casimir. Yeah. yeah. So then ten four one, if you're not familiar, is moving. That is moving. <laughs> um. But he'll be the the go-to guy in the slot. He'll be, you know, him and uh, a tight end will get to Josiah DeGuaro. will be the guys that they look to, you know, on, on down and distance situations, looking to move the chains. Outside, they have had a, a young guy step up. His name's Alec Pierce um, from the Chicago area. 6'3", very athletic. Um, was, a, was a standout on special teams his true freshman year last year. Had a really good spring. Carried that over into the summer. The consistency is there. He's really he's a he's another four four guy. Uh, but basically, when he got here, he was just a, a, a nine guy. Run the go route. See if sure. you can get past him. We'll throw it up, and you can go get the jump ball because he's got a forty plus inch vertical leap. Now he's starting to run all the route tree, and, and he's starting to be consistent and making plays over the middle and making plays on the sidelines. And, and he really elevated and gives them a chance to have that kind of true outside number one uh, that they haven't really had since probably five years ago with, with Chris Moore, who's with still with the Baltimore Ravens and, and a couple other guys. Um, so I think Pierce definitely gives them a, a different dimension. They didn't have last year. Not that Lewis was, was bad by any stretch, had a great four year career at Cincinnati, but he was never really that like game changing uh, get over the top of the defense type guy. 
I think Pierce does give them that. The other side is going to be interesting. Nobody has really jumped up and 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 claimed that one. Trent Cloud is going to be the starter. Uh, it was a redshirt sophomore from up in the, the northern Ohio area. Two guys that could push for that dealt with some injuries in camp, one being Blue Smith, who was a top 100, top 150 type recruit that went to Ohio State. He transferred to UC uh, this year. Uh, he got a waiver. And unfortunately, halfway through camp, he had a little bit of a foot ankle issue. He missed about a week and a half. So he's still getting back into the mix. I fully expect him to be healthy uh, for and be on the field for UCLA. I just don't think he his progression was trending towards being that number one guy on the, the other outside spot. I think that the, the injury slowed him down. I do think you'll see him, though. The other one is uh, Malik Mooj, uh, another big 6'4 guy, 6'5 guy. He's going to be out for UCLA, so we don't really have to, to to dig too deep into him. But I think they're strong in the slot, strong at the uh, the one outside spot, and we'll see what the other. That one's going to be uh, by committee. All right. We've gone through the team. Give me give me your, your... You left off maybe the best position. Are we talking special teams? You want to do it? Tight end. Well, tight end. Uh, well, I was counting. So I'm, I'm a West Coast guy. I count tight end among receivers. Come on, man. Well, well let's, they, talk. let's talk. Let's talk some tight end. They have two tight ends that could be receivers. One's Josiah DeGuara, who I think will probably end up being their leading receiver this year. He's actually uh, a California guy. Folsom, California is his hometown. Um, he's a fifth-year senior. And then a, another kid, Josh Wiley, who was in, in, in that 2018 class from Cincinnati LaSalle. He's one of those those new-age 6'6", uh, pass-catching, sure. split-out-wide tight ends. They, they created a new position. Uh, there's a subgroup in the tight end room this year. Uh, they call it the K position, named after Cincinnati Bearcat great Travis Kelsey. Uh, DeGuara, DeGuara and and Wiley play the K position, which is basically just a, a slot receiver. Sure. And then they have three kind of bruisers. One's Bruno LaBelle, who's from Canada, uh, Wilson Huber, and then um, Leonard Taylor. And those three guys are all they, – they've all got good hands. They can hurt you in the passing game, but most of their responsibility is in line to block. Now, you know what we saw a couple times uh, throughout camp? What? We saw a four tight end set. Ooh. Two of the big, you know, two of the bruisers, three of the bruisers, one or two of the pass catchers. They bring it in tight, get a defense to commit, split it out wide, and now all of a sudden you've got linebackers and safeties on guys they can't cover. Um, We'll see if if they're – if they have the uh, the comfort with that look to go with it right at the start of the season, but uh, they've got a very, very good tight end room. Uh, their tight end coach and offensive coordinator is Mike Denbrock. Denbrock was at Notre Dame. Uh, Kyle Rudolph was his. Tyler Eifert was his. He's one of the best tight end coaches in the country, and he says this is the best tight end room he's ever had. Wow. And, you know, so, that would actually be something to exploit against UCLA because foot speed in the uh, linebacker core is probably leaving a little bit to be desired. So matching up with that many tight ends and coverage, yeah, it could be dicey. Could be a little I bit do, dicey. <clears throat> when I look at this game, I do think that is going to be an area, especially between the running backs coming out of the backfield and the tight ends uh, over the middle and in space. If UCLA is having linebacker issues, that that could be something very much that could give them fits. The only thing I want to talk about on special teams is James Smith, but we don't have to talk about him. <laughs> Great punter, though. Great punter, one of the Stud. best. One, he was number two in the country in the the Ray Guy Award last year. 
Uh, he has, in his two-year career in Cincinnati, this is my favorite James Smith stat, he has one touchback. And that was a ball that the special teams punted into, like kicked in, fumbled around, and kicked into the end zone that should have been downed at the one. He yeah, has just, one touchback in his entire career. Just to give everyone a sense, um, net average is probably the better stat for looking at punter than just like how far they can kick it. And a good net average in college football, I don't know, it's probably like 40, 41. He's at a solid 44.3. He's booming it, and he's not out kicking his coverage, and he's often downing it inside the 20. Like, dude is an absolute stud. Uh, That's a a freaky good punter. Freaky, freaky good. He had had some fun with the, uh, the Pat McAfee stuff, where Pat McAfee tweeted at UCLA. UCLA never responded. Cincinnati did respond, and it just so happens McAfee lives in Indy, and where Cincinnati has their camp is about an hour and a half from McAfee's home. So they said, hey, come on out to camp. Um, And honestly, I I wasn't sure what to expect, but McAfee took probably 50 minutes out of his day and just spent it with the the punters and the field goal kickers. uh, talking. He was talking to the guy that does um, uh, kickoffs about different technique on how do you how do you spin your kick how do you get the bounce how do you do this showing him different tricks and tips of the trade for a guy that's got 20 30 million in the bank and is one of the biggest uh, burgeoning you know new media superstars in this internet age uh-huh trip to take that time was pretty awesome to see you know just spending it with the specialists and and not you know quarterbacks or you know, James Wiggins, because he's going to be in the NFL. Or, no, he, he literally spent, legitimately spent time with all those specialists for about 40, 50 minutes during practice. So it was one day that the specialists did something during practice, right? That's very cool. Yeah, <laughs> they never do anything else. No. It's leading uh, calisthenics and maybe doing some yoga on the sideline. Um, all right. So, gone through the team. Um, I want your nuts and bolts. What do you think is going to happen in this football game, and who do you have at the end of the day? Uh, I think pretty clearly it is going to be a game where we saw last year. I don't know that it was both defenses were good or that both offenses were really bad or some combination of both. (laughs) Um, Like you said, it was probably the best defensive game UCLA had played. Uh, Cincinnati, after that game throughout the season, proved to be a a, a very strong defense. Um, But we had the freshman quarterback factor. We had the running back situations at both being a little up in the air, or even though Mike Warren kind of jumped up and claimed that. Both the defenses were so insanely young. Um, I think this is going to be a really, really good game. Yep. I, I, I think it's going to be quite a bit more high scoring than last year. I don't think it's going to be a shootout by any stretch. But I, I do see this one getting up upper 20s, lower 30s for both teams. I think at home, Nippert Stadium, Cincinnati has lost five non-conference home games in 20 years. None of those non-conference home losses have come at night on ESPN. They are undefeated. That atmosphere is is very, very rowdy. And I, I wonder, UCLA is still young. I wonder initially how they're going to handle that surge. I've got UC in a close one, but I... That might change here whenever we get word on what's going on with James Wiggins. Yeah, and that's the thing for me, too, is that it's close enough that, like, little bits of data. Like, I've, I've probably oscillated on my pick in this game, like, yeah, me too. I don't know, five times in the last week. 
Um, and I ultimately settled, settled on UCLA just kind of generically. Like, look, their lines return more starters than Cincinnati's lines, and I think line play is going to dictate a lot. But, I mean, it's so hard to know at this point because you don't, like, if, if Cincinnati can get credible play up front on defense, right? If they can get right. those guys coming in and they play well enough, and I tend to think that defensive play, it really it does strongly correlate to the scheme more than it does to any individual player. I mean, obviously, you lose a couple of defensive tackles like that, it's not easy. Um, right. But I still think the defense is going to be good. I mean, I don't think it's going to take a, a monster step back just because it loses a couple of guys. Um, and then offensively, can they make up for the fact that they're, you know, replacing two and a half starters from last year? Um, right. And it's just, you, you don't know at this point. We don't have any data to go on, so it's just kind of guesswork. So I look at it and I say, well, UCLA returns seven of eight starters on the defensive and offensive line. So fine. Give it to the Bruins. Yeah, um, and I, I don't disagree. Like, I don't I don't actually have an issue with, with anyone picking UCLA because I, I do think it is going to be a very good football game with two teams showing the progression from last year. Yeah. We were disgustingly young and playing guys that generally had no business probably being on the field in a lot of situations. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now those guys are veterans. Yeah. Now Derek Forrest and Kobe Bryant and Brian Wright, like, you know, Michael Pitts at defensive end. And now my J Sanders at the other defensive end, those guys are veterans now. And, and it's the same for UCLA. Now you have two teams and and this is what really, for me, I think, this is what makes me think it's going to be close, and I would not be surprised if UCLA won. I think Cincinnati very much surprised UCLA last year with their physicality. And oh. I talked about this yesterday on the Bearcat Journal podcast. I, why I say that is, is because if you watch Cincinnati in 2017, and you looked at the game tape of a team that went 4-8, and eight, that was not a physical team. And then they come out in game one of 2018, and all of a sudden they're just smacking people in the mouth. Yeah. So I can only imagine from UCLA's sideline, they're looking at this and going, where the hell did this come from? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, if you remember the, the like projections for that season, I don't remember if you looked ahead at UCLA's schedule, oh, yeah. but it was tough. Cincinnati, in all the preseason projections, that was like, oh, that's the win. That's the definite yeah. win for UCLA. There's no other definite win on the schedule, but it's Cincinnati. And I don't know if that creeps into players' minds, but I'm sure it does a little. Yeah, um, it has to at, at some point. And like I said, when you're watching the tape of 2017, they should have gone 1-11. and 11. Right. The three wins they got, I still scratch my head on three of those wins, how they got them. And if I'm UCLA, I'm looking at that and going, well, these guys aren't going to beat us up. Give me a break. Sure. And then all of a sudden, you got Mike Warren running down your throat, and, he, <laughs> and you're, a, you're a young, young defense I can imagine those guys were looking around. You had grown-ass men on that offensive line last year. Garrett Campbell was a, a six-year senior. Kyle Trout was a fifth-year senior. Dino Boyd was a fifth-year senior. Morgan James was 28. Yeah. <laughs> and Chris Ferguson was in his fifth year. This is now his sixth year because he got a medical year. Right. That line last year was old. And that's what you want your offensive line to be. Now you've got kind of a mix. So – and I and I and where I was going with that is I don't expect UCLA to be surprised by Cincinnati's physicality in this game like they were last year. Yeah, I think it's what I think it's going to be is a is a 
probably a more evenly played, but also just like a more generally well played. Because what stood out to me also about last was year was ugly. just so damn ugly. Like so yeah. damn ugly. Like, and you understand it because you're playing two guys who like probably like in an ideal world they're not playing quarterback in that game. Like in an right. ideal world they're, they're sitting for a little bit longer. Um, both thrust into duty and just not really doing the job very well. Um, and I think, you know, the defenses, I think, played well. But I also think both quarterbacks were the quarterback, like... <laughs> the quarterback play was bad. The quarterback and the offense bad. coordinators had no trust in their quarterbacks to to open things up and, and get them out of a funk. Exactly. So I think this will be a... It'll be a prettier football game. Um, I'm expecting a really fun game on Thursday night. I, I really do think this is going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped for it. I'm going to be up there. So I'll say hello when I get up there. But... I did want to talk to you about your man Mick before I let you go. Um, All right, and now our man Mick, UCLA's <laughs> man Mick. Um, I, but uh, this is going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I'm excited to hear why. Um, I, I I have received a few packages. Ooh, tell us more of of gear of UCLA gear. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> and have you worn I, it? Um, <laughs> around the house. <laughs> if if some if something got out in public of me in that gear, I think my membership numbers would take a hit. But I I, I do have a couple items of uh, Bruin basketball gear littering my closet right now. Hey, it's that, a good um, color blue. At the very least, it's, it's a good it's a color, color blue. It, it really pops with my uh, my hazel eyes. There you go. Um, <laughs> but, We're now moving uh, into the wardrobe part of the yeah. show, everyone. It, 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 it's no secret to anybody. I love those guys. Uh, I, I, 13 years on this beat. I started Mick Cronin's first year. Um, so 13 years being around him and his staff. Uh, Darren Savino off the court, aside from this job, uh, became a very good friend. Uh, we still regularly talk. We talk uh, out when, when we're out on the road. Um, he is notorious for if he's traveling, if he's got a layover in an airport, um, he has told me that expect a call because I'm one of the few crazy people that no matter what time he calls, no matter what's going on, I will drop everything I'm doing and talk basketball to get him through his 45 minute layover. Um, Greg Jankowski, who is the the video guy out there now, is a, a very close friend of mine. Uh, just nothing but love for those guys for me. Um, I, I wish them nothing but the best. And uh, UCLA will have a fan and Chad Brendel. I'll be. Uh, the, the Bruin games will be on here in the Brendel household uh, when they when the two teams play. If you're a UC fan and you want to get mad at me for that, that's life. I, I can handle it. I'm a big boy. And if you see me out in a UCLA shirt, just don't take a picture and put it on Twitter, please. Come on. <laughs> and certainly not before the game on Thursday. Just well, yeah, I, I'm not gonna. I, I won't have any on until after Thursday. There I can you go. There you that. go. Um, the so basketball series is dead, so I'm not gonna get in trouble for that either. Yeah, you think he's uh, ever gonna try to liven that up, or do you think it would be too emotional for him? To no, try to I think I think that would be too emotional. Now, what would be fun? What would be awesome? UCLA Xavier. That would be a ton of fun. Now, you know, I don't know how much this has been talked about. You know he has a a sworn and hated enemy in the Pac-12, I'm right? aware of uh, his sworn and hated enemy, which who is also the sworn and hated enemy, enemy of many a UCLA fan. So it works out well. There is, when I say zero love lost, like, I don't think either would throw water on the other if they were on fire. <laughs> that... 
like Mick Cronin and Chris Mack, when Chris Mack was at, at Xavier, they, they were adversaries, but they had grown up together in Cincinnati. Sure. Like, you know, Mick's older brother played basketball with Chris because uh, Mick is a little bit younger, like two years younger than Chris, I think. Like their families knew each other. Like they go way back. Like they might not have like always got along or saw eye to eye, whatever the case may be. Mick Cronin and, and Sean Miller hate, and I don't use that word very often. Those two hate each other. So that's going to be fun. Sean, Sean forward, Miller is pretty hateable. Like, have you ever met the fair. guy? Yeah, he's, yeah. There's a lot of people that, 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 that Mick Cronin rubs the wrong way, too. So the two of them just, <laughs> they do not get along. I cannot wait to watch UCLA-Arizona games over the next couple years. That's going to be so much fun. All right, so what's your just your your take? What do you think Mick Cronin's going to do at UCLA? You think you think he's going to hang a banner? What are you thinking? I think, I think he will get to a Final Four at UCLA. I think, depending on what we see on the recruiting front, and hell of a start, you get the number one point guard in the country with Desheen Nix. Um, as long as he can find that balance between landing elite talent, but elite talent that is going to fit into what he wants to do and his system. As long as he can do that, I think he will have UCLA battling back at the very top of college basketball uh, for, for years to come. And he's going to win. Um, He does not accept you're, you're going to play hard. You're going to have a winner's mentality. He, He doesn't put up with it. If you don't, um, we saw that at Cincinnati over nine straight tournament appearances. I know the fan base was exasperated that there weren't deeper runs. Uh, I do think those are in store for him at UCLA. Uh, if not, that's not an easy fan base out there. <laughs> ben Howland, three Final Fours, and we're we're pretty beaten down at this point. We're, that's we're, fair. Yeah, we're we've been abused enough. I think uh, just somebody somebody who you know loves us, cares for us, you know, <laughs> takes us out on occasion. That's fine. Whatever. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. The man loves Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, just from talking with him over the years, that's a lot of times, and he's genuine about that. He, he's he got a lot of people out there. He vacationed out there a lot. Um, very fond of Los Angeles. Uh, we shared a lot of stories because I lived in L.A. for a little while. I think we talked about this last yeah. year. Uh, in my 20s, I was a Hermosa Beach guy. Uh, if you're familiar with Hermosa Beach and you know where the house is that has the uh, – the the lawn animals curved into their shrubs uh-huh. and giraffe and yep, elephant. Yep, yep. There 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 was uh, illegal activity. Well, I don't know about illegal, but there were there were there were videos filmed at that house um, <laughs> <laughs> of the adult variety. I lived one door down from that house. <laughs> That's so fun. You you saw you saw a lot every day. There were a lot of women in very nice clothes and high heels that used to go into that house and then. I don't know, three, four hours later, they would come out with a smile on their face and never could figure it out. I was in my early 20s, and it just didn't make, make any sense to me. But um, he loves it out there. I, I do think he is going to do a very good job at UCLA. Like I said, I'm really pulling for him and Darren because those two guys were very good to me while they were here. Um, I know it's – you generally you don't develop a lot of friendships in this business. Yep. One, because it's so transient. Yeah. When you get 13 years covering the same person – uh, you either end up one of two ways. You either hate each other or you like each other. Yep, and there you go. <laughs> 13 years, we'll do that, and, and we got along really well. So uh, I think he's going to do a good job out there. I think there's a good 2020 recruiting class in store for UCLA. 
Um, and, and I think he's going to get those guys that he's got right now to buy in. Although uh, I talked to Darren one day and he might get mad at me for telling this story, but he'll get over it. <laughs> he was watching back uh, at the time. He was going back over tape of last year and, and watching some games. And, and the first thing he said is, Chad, I don't, I don't think we're going to win ever. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that watching last year's team because I was ready to give up on watching basketball entirely watching last year's team play basketball. <laughs> He was like, the toughness we need is not on any of these tapes. So I don't know where it's going to come from. We might not win a game. And I was like, Coach, I think you guys will be fine. I think you'll get it figured out. Uh, he has calmed down since then. But that was very early in the tenure that 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 he was exasperated watching tape and trying to figure out what they were going to do. But it oh, seems yeah. like, they, from what I know, it seems like they've gotten a, a great buy-in from the guys uh, out there. And, and those guys are hungry to 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 figure out that formula because nobody likes what happened last year at UCLA. No, no. And, and especially the guys that are involved in it. Like those guys want to win. They want to be good. Yeah. So I, I think big things are in store. Awesome. I, I know that's what the bro members probably, they're going to be very happy with me for my, my Mick Cronin take. It, but it's, it's been a tremendous, tremendous final end to this podcast. Cause they're going to be very <laughs> excited to get that. Well, as, just let them know I'm a UCLA homer. I'm a Mick Cronin homer. Now I'm a UCLA homer in basketball. And there's going to be some Cincinnati fans that aren't happy about that. Uh, but you know what you will see? My I, One of the things I got in my care package was a hat. And my wife took it. Oh, wow. And she said, this looks better on me than it'll ever look on you. <laughs> she wears that UCLA hat constantly now. So... If you see us out, the chances are my wife is going to have a UCLA hat on. Don't take a picture of that and put it on social media either. Please. <laughs> Please. Thank you. All right, brother. So good, Chad. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, everybody out there, again, follow Chad Brendel, uh, especially leading up to the game, but throughout the year. Why not? Um, as we get back, as we get into basketball season and next spring and summer as we get into recruiting, uh, Tracy and I have talked, and I will probably pop in and uh, provide some of the things that I'm hearing uh, on the road because I, I do have a great relationship with those guys. I will uh, I will become a, somebody that can help uh, out with the uh, the Bruin Report online basketball recruiting updates and things of that nature to uh, to give Tracy a hand and and keep touch with my guys. Awesome. Well, that's very exciting news. So we'll be seeing more from Chad. Um, all right. Well, everybody. Enjoy the game on Thursday, and we will be back again shortly. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report online. 247 Sports Site, and we'll talk to you again soon.